You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, the title of my message this morning is The Good Son. You know, how many people in this room, just by showing a hand, would say that you were relatively a good person throughout your life? Okay, maybe half. How many people were like, no, I was bad to the bone? All right, and how many people are not quite awake yet and haven't raised their hand at all yet? Okay. Okay. Well, you guys can think about it, what you were, and, and get back to me later on. You know, I think that I was a good kid by by the worldly standards. You know, I, uh, I didn't smoke, I didn't chew, I didn't go with girls that do. I, you know, I, I did all the good things that, I tried to listen to my mom and dad, you know, I, I tried to be that good son. The police never came to my house. Well, there was that one time, but that was before Jesus, okay? So that's, that's in the sea of forgetfulness now, never to be remended again. But overall, by the world's standard, I was, a, I was a good kid. And as a good kid, as a good son, I remember the freedoms that came with being a good son. You know, I remember I didn't have a curfew. Whenever I would go out as a teenager, mom and dad never said, you have to be back by a certain time because I never took advantage of it. If I was going to be late, even if it was 1 o'clock in the morning, I would give them a call and just say, I'm okay. Just let you know that I'm going to be staying over at this person's house or I'll be home probably in a half an hour just to kind of put them at ease. And, and with that came a whole bunch of freedom. Today as I was praying and I was getting ready for this message, I, I thought of the story of the prodigal son. You know, I think most of us in this room may know the prodigal son and we know and we've heard different sermons on the prodigal son about the son who left and he was a bad son and he took the inheritance and he squandered it on stuff and then he became so poor that he returned to the father to work for the father and instead of him working for the father, the father embraced him. But we never look at the good son. And today I wanted to focus on, on him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. And Lord, we're going to rejoice and we're going to be glad in it. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. So if you open up your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 15, we can read the story of the prodigal son. It says, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of my estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide the wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings. It's always the baby, isn't it? How many people are babies in this, fa- in this room? We know you. So the younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, 
and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe into the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his fingers and sandals for his feet. Kill the fatted calf and have been fat. we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead, and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began, and meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother's back, he told him, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to do. And all this time, you never gave me even a young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We have to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Can you sympathize? See, here we have a good son. He's worked hard his whole life for his father. He's not argued, not complained. In fact, the Bible says that he returned from the field working when he heard noise and commotion that he had not heard before. He poses that question, what is going on? When he finds out what's happening, the son is deeply hurt. In fact, the father says and begs him to come and join the party. And this is what the son replies. When this son of yours comes back after squandering money on prostitutes, you celebrate this fatted calf. That's interesting. Whatever happened to my brother? This son of yours. See, this good son was walking in that place and saying, he may be able to pull the wool over your eyes, dad, but not mine. You may be blind to him because of your relationship, but he's no longer my brother. But this son of yours, what in the world are you doing him letting him back into our house? And not only letting him back in, but killing the fatted calf and having a party. Can you sympathize with that? Maybe you're here and you've, you've worked hard all your life and there's certain things that you deserve and there's certain things, certain promises that have been, have been handed out to you and something comes up where you get bitten and it's like, that's not fair. That's happened to this, this, this older brother. I've done everything right. I've worked, in fact, I just came back from work. Look at the dirt on, under my fingernails. Look how the sweat on my brow. Look how hard I've been working and we're celebrating this guy who squandered everything and has come back now and wants more. Have you been there? Have you walked in that place where a time in your life you've been bitten and it's not fair? We're getting ready to launch in, this, in September a series called The Culture of Heaven. Truly, this is a massive topic that we're going to just, just touch on by the leading of the Holy Spirit. But this right here is something that we really don't look at as all that bad. 
When we feel we've been wrong and very possible, the son would have complained as he talks to his friends. Can you just, can you just picture that, that conversation? You know, the son goes off with a bunch of buddies, and he's like, oh, man. They're like, what's wrong? He's like, can you believe it? My brother's home. And all of a sudden, he's getting his, a, a, a robe on, and he, my dad's killing the fatted calf. Have you had those conversations with your friends? And then your friends immediately start to say, oh, man. And they, they fire it up, don't they? That's not fair. I can't believe that happened. And they just start to speak negative and negative, and, and it, the fire gets bigger and bigger. You know, I, I just got off a, a Facebook today, and um, one of the gals from the church went down to Missouri, and she figures that she got a spider bite. I don't know if you saw that on, on, on Facebook. And, and, and as she wrote that on there, she's like, I got bit by a spider, and she showed this, this nasty bite. What, do you, what, do you, what did people think? And then the friends started to speak, and you know what they're writing on there? Maybe it was a black widow. Oh, you got to go to the hospital and get you that looked at. And other people are like, no, 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 it's a brown recluse. You know what's going to happen? Your skin is going to turn black and you're going to get a big hole in your arm. Well, what does that do? That just causes fear. All of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, I got to get the dog. I'm going to die. Like, why would you put that on Facebook and the friends come together? Oh, let me see. Yeah, I'm a bug expert. That is a brown recluse bite. And you've got 20 minutes to live before you die. Post. You know what I wrote on there? I wrote on there, you know what, you probably should have that looked at, but it could be a good thing. Are your spider senses tingling? Y you know? Let's not look at the negative. Let's not stir up fear. But let's walk in that place that just says, you know, God, what do you have for my life? And when the good son gets together with his friends and starts to tell his story, you know what? I've done it. And you've done it. And we come along friends and we're just like, you know what? I've been wrong. This is what's happening. And that builds that fire. Oh, I can't believe that. I can't believe your dad did that. Man, he must love that son more than you. Oh, man, that son, he's going to come back, and he's going to take your inheritance. He's already got his, and, and all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, I never thought about that. Oh, man, and what does that cause? That causes hatred towards his brother. Whew. That brother of mine, he's going to steal. He's going to rob me blind. And all of a sudden, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Because why? We're having friends speak into that place where only God could speak into. Stirs the pot more for, for a spiritual disease that is affecting Canada so rapidly. And you know what that's called? Entitlement. The Bible is based on an upside-down kingdom, a kingdom that does not fit our Canadian culture. This is so funny. I, I always get Sydney to read over my sermons, okay? And here's what I wrote. The Bible is an upside-down kingdom, a kingdom that does not fit in our Canadian culture, which says someone hits you, you hit them back twice as hard. That's the Canadian culture. Cindy edited it. So now it reads, the Bible is based on an upside-down kingdom, a kingdom that does not fit our Canadian culture, which says 
You hit somebody, you hit them back twice as hard, or at least you press charges. Can you hear, see the difference between a man and a woman right there? So, or, or you press charges. Jesus teaches us, my friends, in Matthew 53. If you'd like to turn there, I'm going to read Matthew 53, verse 8. It says, you've heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. As an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other also. If you're suit in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give it to those who ask and don't, owe, don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You've heard the law say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In the way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends out the raid on the just and the unjust. If you love those, if you only love those who love you, that where is the reward in that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do it. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. It's inescapable. Jesus tells us there that, you know what, don't just love the people who love you, that's easy. But love those who hate you. Love your enemies. That's hard to do. Because when you've been wronged, everything inside of you rises up that you want to fight. Now the Lord's not, not telling us to be a mat, Okay? There's abuse, and, and he's not like, okay, well, you're in an abusive situation. Just go ahead. Just When you get hit, just turn the other cheek. That's not what this is about. But what God is saying is he wants us to live in a culture and a society that the world does not understand. You know what? If someone comes up to you and says, listen, I'm, I'm in a hard time. I need a 1000 bucks," And you say, well... All right, I'm going to give you a thousand bucks, but you, you sign a little note saying, you know what, I'll pay back a thousand dollars and I'm going, to, I'm going to get it in installments of, of whatever. You really need to give that money away with the sense of, I may never get it back again. Because if not, that anger and that bitterness will come inside here, and all of a sudden, over a thousand bucks, you have an arch enemy who you just never want to see again. You know, I remember as, as, as a little kid, my grandmother, my mom was adopted. My grandmother adopted a, a, my mom who, I don't know why she adopted her because she really didn't want my mom. And I remember, and I've shared some stories about it, like at Christmas time, all the uncles would come over and it'd be a drunk fest and my mom would tell me stories where she was, her dad was, would lift her out of the second floor window and drop her down because the, the uncles wanted to kill her and they threw her down the stairs and broke her arm and all kinds of stuff happened. It was dysfunction. And my grandmother, I remember her being a bitter woman. And do you know what? My grandmother lived in Toronto in a place called Rexdale in Toronto. And three doors down, she lived by herself because my pop passed away when I was young. And three doors down lived her sister, Bernice, who was also a widow and lived by herself. And my grandmother would never, when she pulled out of her driveway, she would never make a right out of her driveway because she'd have to go by Bernice's house. 
she would always go left and then go around the long way. Is that crazy? I don't know the story. I don't know why Grandma and Bernice just had a hatred for one another as sisters. But in our family, we work so hard to instill into our kids the importance of honor. You know what, guys? I want you to honor one another. Because out there, outside of this household, the world is going to tear you down. But in here, this is a safe place. I love seeing the chemos come as a family to lead us in worship, a family together, love one another. They're touring and doing CDs and, and doing all this kind of stuff together. That's awesome. But there's people in this room who've got bitterness towards somebody or something, and it is stealing your joy and truthfully, a lot of people don't even know why or what the root of it is. You just know you hate that person. Can you let it go? The Bible, the Bible tells us one of those scary scriptures that as a pastor, you know what? If you, 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 you don't, you, you want to preach to the good. You want to, you want to preach to the up. But we can't just rip out parts of the Bible we don't like. But it's that scripture that says, if you don't forgive someone of little, how can I forgive you of much? My friends, if Holy Spirit is showing you someone right now that you've got an issue against, you've got odds against your brother and sister, you need to let it go. You need to be able to say, God, I need your help, God, because this is going on for years. And then you may need to Listen to Holy Spirit as he says, I want you to write them a letter. I want you to call them and just say, you know what? That money that I loaned you that you never paid me back, I release you. It's a gift. You know what? That circumstance or that situation or maybe I don't even know why, but I want you to know I love you and I hold nothing against you. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. And isn't freedom better than being in a debtor's prison? You know what? A debtor's prison is something. I have a legal right. If James does something to me and I get so upset with James, I have a legal right to throw him into a debtor's prison. But then what happens is all of a sudden I cast myself into the debtor's prison. And the only way I can get out of that, the only way is by saying, God, I release James. And then freedom comes to my life. My friends, that's the gospel. That's what God has for us. And I know there's people in here who've got serious, serious things. People who've been abused. People who've been molested. People who've been hurt so deeply. It is your right to hold on to bitterness. And when you tell your friends, your friends will be like, don't you ever let that go. But God says, I want to heal you. I want to touch your heart, and the only way I can do it 
is by you giving it to me. Do you know what 1 Peter 5, 7 says? It says, cast all your cares, all your anxieties upon me, for I care for you. Because there's another side of the coin. And here's what the younger brother, uh, the older brother missed out on. Verse, 131, verse 31 says, look, dear son, you've stayed with me all these years. You see, being the good son gives you something very special. The son has authority. If you wanted to have a goat or a calf for him and your friends, all you needed to do was ask for it. You know, there's something about living in your own house. You know, when we are in our own house, we're comfortable, aren't we? You know, we have in our house, we have Effie and Hayward who are living in our basement, which is great, and we have Ernie who's living in our basement, which is great. But now they're on holidays, and it's kind of like, the house is mine. I can walk around in my underwear if I want to and not worry about Pastor Ernie walking upstairs and going, oh my. It's awesome. I'm reclaiming my home. And there's something about our home where we feel real comfortable. If we're hungry, we go in the fridge. We see what's in there. If we're thirsty, we go and grab a drink of water. It's our house. We can do whatever we want. And if someone, if I invited you over to my place, and let's say that you were going to babysit my kids for me, and I said, you know what, make yourself at home. That's nice, right? The fridge is yours. If you're hungry, go ahead and make yourself something. How many people have had someone say that to them? Go ahead, make yourself something. So I leave, and you're at home in my place, and you open up the fridge, and you say, oh, yeah, there's some leftovers there, and I'm going to have a leftover piece of pizza, and I'm going to heat that up, and then I'm going to have that for my lunch. Or, oh, maybe there's some sandwich bread there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that for my lunch. That's, that's acceptable, right? But when people say, make yourself at home, what would happen if all of a sudden you said, okay, cool, and they leave, and you, you go in the freezer, and you see a, a box of steaks in there? And you're like, there's like 30 steaks here. So then you call all your friends over and say, you know what? I got, I got 30 steaks here come on over for a steak dinner and all these people come on over and you're just a barbecue and just having a great time and all of a sudden the owner of the house comes home like what is going on well you said make yourself at home so I found these steaks here and I'm having a party that's probably not acceptable is it so then all of a sudden there's the good son who's like he's like I'm so mad at you dad dad you killed the fatted calf for this son of yours but you've never done anything for me mm. Dad's like, this is all yours. You ever wanted a fattened calf? You just say, hey, we're going to kill the fattened calf. I'm having some people over. You want a goat? We got goats. No problem. We'll have a little bit of goat roti and, and, and some curry. It's awesome. Bring your friends over. Let's do it. Everything is his, but yet he got so offended because his dad did something for the younger brother. In our homes, we have freedom. And as believers, we have freedom, which is ours. Are you ready for this? Put your seatbelt on. Are you ready for this? I'm going to draw a correlation right now to Revelation chapter 5. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God. For every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. How many people got Jesus in their heart this morning? Jesus is worthy 
to take things that were sealed and open them up. And when we have Jesus inside of us, he is worthy to be able to take things that were locked and things that were closed and open them up. We have things in our life that God can do. Jesus is worthy to be able to do that. Do you have situations of your life that is hopeless? Jesus is our hope. Do you have situations that is dark? Jesus is the light. Let's keep reading Revelations 5. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of a thousand and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb. My friends, worthy is the Lamb. That's our key. That's our key. We have freedom because of what Christ paid on the cross for us. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. That lamb is inside of each and every one of us. That's our key. The prodigal brother was jaded because of what happened to him. We have a choice to allow things to bother us or step into that place where we realize that our best intentions, our best efforts, our best at being good is going to come up short because we're likened unto filthy rags. But, dot, 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 worthy is the lamb. You start to feel that hair go up on the back of your neck. You start to feel your face turn red. You start to feel yourself make that fist. Worthy is the lamb. You start to feel like you've been wronged. Worthy is the lamb. You start to feel like you can't do it and life's not fair. Let me hear it. Oh, let's just take a moment and celebrate the Lord this morning. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the Lamb. That is our freedom. That is our hope. In Revelation, there was something that was closed, but through declaring worthy is the land, something that was opened in your life, not because who you are, but because who he is. My friends, this morning, get out of your religious ideology. It's not about you. It's not about how you've been living. It's not about what you're producing. It's about the Lord. You, your identity is his identity. How much of us are living in the Father's house and not feeling comfortable with opening up the fridge this morning? See, here's a great illustration for that. There's this little boy, and he's a, a poor little boy. And he walks into this candy store, and he's looking around, and he sees this bowl of candy. The shopkeeper looks at him, and the shopkeeper all of a sudden feels pity for this little kid. He says to him, son, you can reach in there, and you can take whatever you want. I'm going to give you a handful of candy. Go ahead. And the little boy just stands there and doesn't say anything and just looks at the candy bowl. And the shopkeeper says again, he says, son, did you not hear what I said? I want to bless you. Reach in there this morning. Be able, reach in there. Grab as much candy as you can have. I'm not going to charge you for it. It's free. Take it. The little kid just stands there and watches. Then finally, out of the frustration, the, the shopkeeper says, let me show you. And he reaches his hand in, and he grabs a bunch of candy and he gives it to the kid and the kid opens up his hands and he holds all this candy. He says, that's what I was telling you to do. And the little boy says, your hand is bigger than mine. I was just waiting for you to be able to do what you did because now I got two handfuls full of candy. And he takes off. Our Father in heaven is like, come on. Worthy is the Lamb. I got stuff for you. We are a blessed people. Why? Because worthy is the Lamb. It's not because of who we are, but it's because who we are in Christ.
Worthy is the Lamb. I remember when all of a sudden someone uh, 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 bought me that truck back in 2011. And everyone was like, man, you so deserve that. I remember that day so clearly. And I was just like, I was a deer in headlights. I just didn't know what to do. I couldn't believe it. And when that happened, I just said, no, it's not because of me. There's nothing in the world that I've done to deserve this truck. Nothing. But worthy is the lamb. He is great. He is awesome. He is our key. Maybe you're here this morning. And team, would you come? Maybe you're here this morning and you need to have a courageous conversation with your father. What you've been desiring but not asking for. What is it your father is offering to you that you can't receive because you just don't feel worthy? My friends, the Bible tells us that God has great gifts for us. But I think so many times we sit in that place and say, I can't receive that. I'm just not good enough. I'm just not worthy. And Jesus wants you to know that he paid the price. That he is worthy. That he is everything. And our worth is not in who we are, what we've done, and what we accomplished. Because you know what? We still make mistakes. We still fall short of that line. There's nothing we can do in ourselves to become this picture of a Christian. But it's standing in that place and saying, God, I've been walking in faith now for 30 years, Lord. And God, I'm still blown away by you. God, you are awesome. You know what? Sometimes God just sets us up for some pretty cool things. You know, Sydney and I were in Edmonton this week. We were picking up some supplies for the mother-daughter tea. And when we were there, we went into Superstore, and they had like a case lot sale. We said, you know, we've been talking about a long time about getting just a bag of kind of groceries that when people come by and they say, you know what, we're hungry, it's kind of like, well, here's a, here's a bag for you. So we just came up with these little, little bags, and we, we put them in, the, and then uh, I, I did the shopping for that, and Cindy was doing the shopping for her stuff, and, and I got out there first. I'm like, well, I might as well, while I'm waiting for her, separate them into the bags and have them ready to go that when I drive into town, I just need to take them in and drop them off, and they're, they're done. So I, I separated them. And then Cindy came out, and she helped me finish separating them, and we put them in, and, and then we were driving back to Cold Lake. And as we were driving, we stopped in a stop sign at, uh, at a stoplights in Edmonton. There's this guy on the stop in between the little medium and the roads at the stoplight, and he's holding up a sign. He says, hungry. I need food. That's what the sign said. And I said, Cindy, we just separated this. And I rolled down the window. I just grabbed a bag, and we passed this bag of groceries out. And we just said, God bless you. Worthy is the lamb. I don't know this guy's story. I don't know what gets him to the place where he's holding up a sign that says, I, know, I, I need food. But I know that Christ loves him. 
And I know that Christ loved them enough to have us separate groceries and have them in the car ready to go to say, worthy is the Lamb. And God's got that for you. It may not be groceries. We heard of that single mom who got a a Yukon given to her. It may not be a car. Worthy is the Lamb. Is there blessings in your life that you're just needing to receive? Worthy is the Lamb. So this morning, maybe you need to have that conversation with God and say, God, I need to forgive people in my life. And Lord, I need your help to be able to let that go. Worthy is the Lamb. Or maybe you're here and you're just like, I'm so hard on myself. I just feel like I just don't measure up on the ruler of Christianity. Worthy is the Lamb. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glorious of God. But we just keep plugging in. And we keep pressing in. And just saying, God, I messed up again. But worthy is the Lamb. Lord, you paid that price on the cross. And that grace that you're extending me this morning is not a cheap grace. It came with a very expensive price tag. But worthy is the Lamb. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning and saying, Son, daughter, there's things you need to let go of. There's people you need to release out of a prison. And I just ask you to be able to come forward and spend some time at the altar. If you're here this morning and you're like, you know, Lord, I just, I just want to be able to walk in that place where I say, God, I, I am a son, a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this morning, God, you've reminded me of who I am. And Lord, I need to let myself go and understand it's not me or the standards or what I'm holding, but God, it's you. Worthy is the Lamb. If you just come on up and come right, kneel around the altar, then that means you just don't want to be bugged this morning. You just want to spend time, just you and God. And I just ask, nobody lay hands on you. Just spend time with you and the Lord. But if you want to come and stand up in the front, then myself or one of our, our, our prayer team would be more than happy to be able to pray for you this morning. God bless you. You are worthy because of the Lamb. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.